Amen. Hey, Grace Church, how you guys doing this morning? Hey, a little bit more lively than the nine. That's good. That means we're waking up a little bit. That's a uh, that's nice, nice 1030 time slot. Uh, my name is uh, Rob. I am uh, the location pastor in Norton. Uh, I'm so thankful that I get to be here. This is exciting uh, to get to be uh, at Avon with you guys. Um, just a little bit uh, about me. I, uh, me and my family just moved to uh, here, actually in Norton, um, in January from Colorado. Uh, so we are uh, here back up uh, in the motherland. I went to college up here, um, but yes, we are, are so unbelievably thankful to get to uh, to be here. But uh, just some things about me. Uh, does, before I say that, I, I got a question. Does, do you guys love anything? Is that a pretty general question? Like, do you guys love anything? Is there something that you love? If, if, if you love something, just say, yeah. Yeah, it's okay. There's a lot of love in the room. That's great. Well, well, just a little bit about me, some things that, that I love. I love my wife. That's a pretty good thing to love. Uh, uh, she, her name is, is, is Jenny, and we've been married uh, almost eight years. Uh, we got married, uh, and from our honeymoon, moved to Colorado, where we knew no one. Uh, and so that was uh, really, really cool. But yeah, I, I, I love my wife. We love adventure together. We love to, uh, to go and, and travel. So we've been here. So we've gone to uh, every surrounding state just in the past like six months just to go and visit things. But I, I love my wife. Uh, something else that I love, I love my kids, another good thing to love, right? Uh, my, my son, he is three years old. Uh, his name is Jude Chapel Hollifield, nice strong name. And uh, uh, I, uh, I, I love him. He is uh, my emotional boy, but he is my helper tiger. If you guys have kids, you know, uh, maybe Daniel Tiger, ever heard of Daniel Tiger? He is my helper tiger. He is always, he starts every sentence with this, um, okay, so, because he's really intense too. He's very like, you know, passionate and intense. And so he starts every sentence with, okay, so, and then he says, you're doing this, and I'm doing this, and then how am I going to need to help you here? And then, um, yeah, I love my son, Jude. I love my son, Jude. I, I have a, a, a daughter. Her name is Finley Noel Hollifield, and um, she is not so helper tiger. Uh, she is uh, uh, very decisive and very, uh, I mean, like, you know, calculated and like, I mean, very focused. Um, she will let you know when there is something that she does not like, uh, and then she will make you change it. Uh, somehow, some way, she has that ability to do that, but I... I love my daughter, Finley. Um, you know what, something else I love? I love burgers. <laughs> Anybody else love burgers? Yeah, in the church said amen. Uh, we, uh, I, love, I love burgers. I actually have on my phone a top five burgers that I've ever had. It, is that a little weird? Is that, I, it, I, so in, in other words, when I go have a really good burger, I go and I look at my list, I address my list, and see if that burger that I've just had that's really good fits on the list to then bump my number five out of the list. I I love burgers. Uh, something else I love, I love sports. Does anybody love sports? 
So I, yeah, hey, hey, we got some real good sports fans and some fans that are a little unsure about the Celtics team coming up. Is Porzingis a good thing? Is, is he going to stay healthy? Uh, I love the Celtics, okay? I, I went to school here, uh, um, and I uh, was adopted into Celtics Nation, uh, and so I, uh, I went to the, the garden uh, uh, several times over the course of my, my time here, and like, you know, like it's, I have a, a friend that's one of my good friends, like he, he talks like just you know, pretty clearly, but when he starts to get close to the garden, it gets a little bit more thick in there, you know, like uh, we, we, we got to see the Celtics, and I, I love the Celtics. They let us down last year, but it was still a good season, right? <sighs> we love we love sports. Um, the thing about this is uh, the English language very much has this, this word love, and like we can say in the same breath, I love my family, and I love burgers. You know what I mean? And there's one word. It's the same word. We just use that same word to explain two different things that is we understand and know that that is, is, is different, right? There are some of those things that I love that I would really like to have and really like to be a part of and really like to kind of, but then there are those, some of those things that I love that I would give everything for, right? Uh, well, we have been in this series uh, called Triggered, where we have been trying to kind of like deduce, trying to figure out emotions. And so this has been uh, maybe like difficult for some. This has been good for some, but ultimately it can be triggering. We've named the series pretty accordingly, I would say. Uh, but we're going through, we're talking about different emotions. We're talking about how God has emotions. He's created us to have emotions. And then in that, somehow, some way, along the lines of our healthy emotions that God has given us on purpose for a purpose, those emotions have become distorted in some way, shape, or form. That's maybe because of sin, selfishness, uh, trauma, uh, you name it. There has been things, or there are ways that our emotions have been distorted. So we're, we're mapping out a healthy emotion that God has given us, but then we're also identifying what are the ways and things that that emotion has been changed or manipulated or distorted to be something else. This morning, we're talking about this really, really difficult emotion of love. Were you guys ready for this? Because this emotion then can be uh, twisted and turned to be lust. We're talking about love versus lust. Uh, This is like something that like our Western culture, like don't we like idolized love in our culture. Like whenever it comes down to the movies that we watch, like it's, it's, you'd be hard pressed to try to think of a movie that doesn't have a kiss in it. Is that kind of weird to think about? Like even cartoons, even the dogs that are slurping the, the spaghetti and uh, somehow kissing. Uh, there is in the top 100, it comes to songs. Like you go and you just start looking at songs. It is either about love love lost or hating someone that doesn't love you. Like, it's like, it's, it's kind of, it's, 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 we, we talk about love all the time in different ways and different shapes. And, and it's, 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 it's really everywhere. But there are so many things in our culture that we call love actually that are really just lusts that we have. And so let's map this out. Well, let's go specifically biblically. How do we define 
love in scripture. Well, if you look at scripture, you can see that like love in the original language that the, that, that the Bible was written in, like in the New Testament, which is Matthew to Revelation, it was written in Koine Greek and that original language, they actually have several different words that all we translate to love. They break it down like this. There's a, a word called eros, where it actually means sensual love or filled with passion. There's stergo, which is a, another form of love, which is just to cherish something. There's another love, phileo, that's brotherly love or sisterly love, to have kind of camaraderie. There's another love that is uh, agape, which means unconditional love. There's other words that can be loosely translated love that are things like hospitable warmth, like, they got it figured out in, in Koine Greek back in the first century. Like, they got it, like, to where they can really map it out. We say, I love cheeseburgers, I love my wife. And we try to have, we have to, have to, to, to figure that out. In, in the Old Testament, the Old Testament in the Bible is Genesis to Malachi. There are words uh, that mean an embrace that could be translated to love. There are family love or merciful compassion. There is unconditional love. There is grace or charm. There's marital, espousal love. They got it figured out too. <laughs> it's really clear whenever you're looking at the original language in scripture, you can see what kind of love that they're talking about. And so we got, we got, a, big, we got a big task ahead of us this morning, trying to really figure out this emotion of love because even the emotion of love that we have can be attached to other emotions. Uh, in other words, if you love something a whole lot, the higher your capacity to love something, the higher your capacity of wrath is. Because when something challenges or goes after that thing that you love, you are going to get mad about it, right? Or if you have something that you really love that's lost, then that triggers some other emotion that is sadness or sorrow in these types of ways. Like, it's not just that love is like really hard to figure out in the different ways that we love. It's also that it's very attached to all of these other things too. Well, there, there's been a long held assumption in psychology that most human emotions uh, fall within the universal categories of happiness or joy, anger, uh, surprise, fear, disgust. If you ever seen Inside Out, that's basically the characters that are there. Um, they they do a, a good job of really kind of helping us understand that our hair can catch on fire whenever things don't go our way. Like, but there's a UC Berkeley uh, study that actually challenges this simple view of emotion. They actually created researchers identified that there are potentially 27 distinct categories of emotion. And actually, you can Google this. You can go and look. They have like a multi-dimensional map that you can interact with. And it, it's, it's really fascinating. But just quickly, what some of these emotions are, 27 of them, 27 of them in alphabetic order are this. Admiration, adoration, aesthetic appreciation, amusement, anger, anxiety, awe, boredom, calmness. Boredom as an emotion, that's pretty good. Uh, uh, confusion, craving, disgust, uh, empathic pain, entrancement, excitement, fear, horror, interest, joy, nostalgia. They would say that nostalgia is an emotion. And anybody that's ever watched uh, Top Gun Maverick that maybe saw the first one back in the day is like, yeah, nostalgia is definitely an emotion. Uh, relief, romance, sadness, satisfaction, sexual desire, surprise. All of these things can be broken down into different distinct emotions. Well, this makes this even more complicated for us this morning when we're trying to figure out love, because even in this list of 27, there's multiple realms of love. Admiration, that's love. 
Adoration, that's love, appreciation, craving, entrancement, joy, romance, sexual desire is in our, our, our Western culture deemed sometimes as love. I'll say this. Um, ultimately, when it comes down to your study of God's word, when it comes down to love, what love is, love specifically, is a choice. So choose love. Let's pray. We're done this morning. We've done it, right? No, it's a little more complicated than that. But when it comes down to to love, you, you choose to sacrifice, right? You choose to to give yourself. So to help us understand this emotion of love, we're looking at the big difference between love and its distortion, lust, in this way. Here's our big idea. If you're taking notes this morning, it's this. Love gives, lust takes. Love gives, lust takes. And what we're going to be able to do this morning also, we're going to take a look at at, at, uh, a story in God's words. It's in Hosea, so you can start turning to the book of Hosea. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a second, but what we're going to do is basically be able to identify maybe what are the things that we have called love in our life that maybe are actually lusts that we have. We're going to identify what specifically uh, God says about love and what specifically is lust and how we can identify it. So if you're turning to Hosea in your Bibles, this uh, uh, book of the Bible. It's between Daniel and Joel in the Old Testament. Again, that's uh, Matthew to, to, or I'm sorry, uh, Genesis to, to Malachi. Hosea, it's 14 chapters long, and it's really this guy, Hosea, he's a prophet in Israel. All right, so he's pretty well known in this, 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 this people group of Israel. He is the prophet that is supposed to really tell them, hey guys, this is what's right, this is what God says, uh, and this is what you're doing is wrong. And specifically in this time, of Hosea, he is a prophet when there is the most wicked king in like Israel's history. This guy's name is Jeroboam II. And like my dude Jeroboam is like mega wicked. And I'm like not talking like wicked, like I'm talking like wicked. Uh, he is a dude that is very, very uh, evil, <laughs> for lack of a better term. He is um, just not a good dude. And you can imagine him as king, he's leading his people in this way. And so Hosea has, Hosea has his job cut out for him to really kind of be able to communicate to a people, hey, you guys have turned so far away from God, you don't even know God. They were um, about as spiritually disconnected as a disconnection can be. They were about as far away from God, and they had just marched so far away using really these things that we're going to be uncovering, which is their lusts. They were running after their lusts. So this book is basically, it's a collection of about 25 years of Hosea, his, his preaching and his writing, and it's primarily like a lot of poetry through a lot, and it's kind of really talking about uh, like turn away from this, this wickedness. When the first three chapters, we actually see the story of Hosea. We get to know Hosea, like what his call is, what kind of happens um, in this. And so let's figure out, like, because for every, uh, every prophet, they kind of have a job to do or some kind of specific role. And so let's read In Hosea chapter 1, starting in verse 2, what Hosea's role is. It's this. When the Lord first began speaking to Israel through Hosea, 
he said to him, he said to Hosea, go and marry a prostitute so that some of her children will be conceived in prostitution. This will illustrate how Israel has acted like a prostitute by turning against the Lord and worshiping other gods. Okay, pause for a second. Uh, Hosea already had a really tough job in being able to tell people uh, in this country, hey, you're messing up. Now his specific role, this word prostitute, it's, it can be translated a woman of the night. It can be translated an unfaithful woman. He, his role is to marry someone that is potentially very broken. And not just someone that's broken, but somebody that is maybe likely to continue to live in a lifestyle that would not be honoring to God. And so let's see what Hosea says. What do you think he's going to say? What would you say? Uh, let's see what Hosea says. He says in uh, verse 3, so Hosea married Gomer, the daughter of Deblaim, and she became pregnant and gave Hosea a son. So what Hosea said, he's like, okay, this is my call. It's not just a call. It's not a call to put up with a wife. It's not a call to just like go and just like, okay, just marry in name only. His call was to love his wife. And so he marries her. He marries this lady named Gomer. And I don't know if you've ever been to a wedding. A wedding is a pretty fun thing. It's like a, it's a celebration. It's supposed to be, right? And in this specific time, like, they uh, um, probably had a really big celebration. Like, again, this person, uh, um, Hosea, being a very important person and very, like, probably some type of status at least, or at least he was very well known. Um, and this time, too, like, wedding feasts, and it, it was like a party for, like, a week long, and they would have lots of celebration. And, and so, like, you can imagine for Hosea, like, he has found a wife, and he's marrying her, and this is exciting. It should be exciting. That's what the covenant of marriage is, is for this to be celebrated. And then it says that they got married, and then they had a kid. They had a son. This is exciting. Okay, like, this could be, this could be good. This could be a cool thing to, like, okay, it's, it's a picture here, right, that, that Hosea, as a faithful, loving individual, has chosen someone that maybe wouldn't have chosen him, and, like, they're gonna there, there's going to be a, a, a good ending to, ending to this, right? Pretty woman style. In chapter, and as you continue to read, and just to, to paraphrase, um, Gomer gets pregnant a second time with their daughter, and then gets pregnant a third time after that with their second son. They have three kids. And actually, as you continue to study this and really read this, the, the, their son, their firstborn was Hosea's. Their secondborn daughter was not Hosea's. Their thirdborn, their second son, was not Hosea's. I don't know if... Hosea knew, I don't know if this was a real source uh, of tension. Again, as we're, we're in this series called Trigger, this is probably already starting to trigger uh, some emotions in you. Maybe if you have had love lost or you've, there's been some form of betrayal in your life, 
Maybe something that you've really given your love to that just uh, ended up completely running out on you or worse. (laughs) So you can imagine that this was probably something difficult. What ended up happening in chapter two is Hosea um, wakes up one morning, and I can imagine he's going to, to get his coffee, and uh, he's going to wake the kids up and you know, get, get the, the day started, and he's looking around for, for Gomer, and Gomer's nowhere to be found. What ends up happening in chapter two is Gomer leaves Hosea, walks out on him, has found someone else and is left. Now, I don't know why. I don't know what circumstance was kind of really happening in Gomer's life. I don't know if this was a, a grass is greener mentality or if just the pressures of just like motherhood and family being such a, 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 a severe change from the lifestyle that maybe she was raised in or had grown up in. But whatever the circumstance is, Hosea had just gotten left by his wife, and she left. And again, this could be triggering. This could be something that stirs emotions in us if somebody has ever walked out on us, or maybe someone has made a commitment to us and then didn't follow through on that commitment. Again, when we have love, and there is some brokenness in this world that then comes against that love, it can cause some other emotions. What does Hosea do? Uh, Hosea does what we all should do whenever we face brokenness. He goes straight to God. I know that there's like something that like sometimes whenever we like whenever the world starts falling down or is in our life or things start kind of going every direction. I don't know um, if you have a relationship with Jesus or if you are maybe just here being spiritually curious or whatever your story is like something that I would just like challenge all of us whenever we face difficulty. The first thing a lot of us do is we try to like fix it. We try to like go right. Okay, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? And I'm just challenging you that Hosea he did right. He went straight to God. He said, God, what do I do? What do I do? And in chapter three, God answers him. Chapter three, verse one said, then the Lord said to me, then the Lord said to Hosea, go and love your wife again. Even though she commits adultery with another lover, this will illustrate that the Lord still loves Israel, even though the people have turned to other gods and love to worship them. Like, as if Hosea didn't have already have a hard job, right? As if he didn't already, like, have, like, you know, I mean, some real difficulty in telling the people of Israel that were so far away from God to turn back to God, as if he didn't have already a really hard job in like some of the family dynamics that were broken in those areas. Now he has a wife that left and she could be anywhere. God says, go and love her again. And so what this probably then did 
was it, it caused like uh, Hosea to be like, okay, like he said, okay, like again, he's not going to like say no to what God is calling. Obviously that's proof uh, as of now. And he, he's, he's going. And so what this meant is he probably went to places that Hosea normally wouldn't be found in to try to find his wife. You know what I'm saying? He probably had to, to kind of uh, talk with some people that may have seen Gomer that previous night or the week before. I, I don't know the circumstances again, but what Hosea is doing is he's going and he's trying to find his wife. And do you know where he ended up finding her? Whoever Gomer had left with didn't want her anymore. And where Hosea found her was on a slab being auctioned off to the highest bidder. She had been sold into slavery. And so Hosea goes in, and you can imagine, again, he's, his, 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 he's, he's, he's on a mission trying to find his wife, and he goes in, and, and there she is. Oh, like, Gomer, Gomer, come with me, come with me. And, and, and what happened in this, this, this moment, whoever there was, like, the bouncer of the time or the, the muscle, the hired muscle, probably pats Hosea right on the chest. Whoa, 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 what are you doing? That's my wife, that's my wife. Gomer, come on, come on, come on. Whoa, that might have been your wife, but that's not your wife. If you want her, you're going to have to buy her. More triggering of emotion, right? Like the love that, that a husband is now re- really trying to, to have for his wife and to try to, to come and, and, and be this, this, this person that's, that's going to love her no matter what. Like it's now, what he has to do is he has to buy his own wife back. Do you know what Hosea says? He says, how much? And in verse 2, he says this, so I bought her back for 15 pieces of silver and five bushels of barley and a measure of wine. See, in this story, you have this, this real clear picture, right, of love is this sacrifice. Hosea, no matter what, no matter what was going on, Hosea was going to love his wife. That was his call. Like, no matter, like, gonna lay not just his life down, but lay his pocketbook down. He's gonna, like, he's gonna, he's gonna give the sacrifice. Then we have this real click, like, this real clear picture of, of, of lust in a way that, like, Gomer, whatever she was after, she was trying to take something to fill something inside of her. And this is exactly what lust is. Whenever we lust after something, we want to try to take and take and take. And what we're really trying to do is to satisfy something inside of us that is empty, that is lonely, that is desperate, that is just wanting to be filled. Lust in the Old Testament scripture and the New Testament scripture, as you kind of really map out what lust is, lust is idolatry. It's idolatry. It's having some kind of idol. In the Bible, lust is depicted as idolatry because it replaces God with something else. In Colossians 3.5, it says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. All of these things that we're trying to like take to fill 
in us. So what does, what does lust, where does lust take us? It takes us to a slab of bondage. It takes us to a place where something is controlling us and we need to, so if you've ever uh, maybe wrestled with addiction in your life, or if you've ever been around anybody that has wrestled with addiction, whether that's substance abuse or alcoholism or uh, sexual addiction or like any of these types of things, like what happens is like those individuals, they like feel the need to have to, to, to have to fill something. This is the lust that they are, are after, and it is all take. It is all take. It is all take. So again, there, there could be some things that we say we love in our life, but actually might be those things that are controlling us, and that it actually might be this emotion of love, that God is love, this good thing of sacrifice, this good thing of being able to give of ourselves, and it actually might really be lust in us. Where does lust take you? It takes you to bondage. Where does love take you. Love takes you to be a blessing to those that need a blessing. Love takes you to a place to, to give of yourself, even though I, the, the thing is, like, when you weigh it out, like, the, the, the cost of lust is great. The cost of love, there's still a cost of love. The cost of lust is not worth it. The cost of love is being able to give what God has given us, right? Well, here, like, as we figure this out, like, love is, is a good thing. Well, lust is obviously the not good thing. Well, what's the cure for lust? What's the, what's the way that we can understand lust in us? Well, the cure for lust is something actually really simple, easier said than, de- than done, but the cure for lust is this, perspective. Perspective. If we would just take a, a big view of the things that control us in our lives, our like addictive natures, these things that we have idols in our life, when we would take a big uh, thousand foot view of those things, we would understand that the cost is not worth it, right? Well, here to help us this morning, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to end with this. Three ways that we can identify lust in our life and be able to transition it to love. The three ways that we can really take, and I'm just going to warn you, these things are not easy, okay? Are you guys buckled up? This is going to be, uh, as we talk about, again, spiritual maturity. Well, for us to be spiritually mature, we have to be emotionally mature. And a lot of us, would we, would we be fair to say that we might be a little emotionally immature when it comes to our understanding of love sometimes? Well, as we continue to pursue spiritual maturity, as we continue to pursue what really love is, here's what we can do about it to really be able to identify. Number one, the first thing to be able to identify uh, if there is love in, uh, in what we are choosing or if it is lust, number one is to reflect on motives. Reflect on motives. Whenever we have reflection, like, it, like life is busy, right? Would you guys agree? 
Like life is busy and sometimes whenever fires need to be put out, we're just like, we're just, we're go, go, go. Or whenever we're just like, whenever it's something that kind of chimes up, it's like, oh, we just got to go, go, go. Uh, Reflection is actually something that's really, really uh, perspective rich. Whenever we're able to reflect on things, sometimes that's difficult things. Sometimes we don't want to revisit maybe difficult things in our life that we've experienced, but it's healthy to be able to do that. And what we get to do when you reflect on the motives, the reasons, the why you choose what you do, then you can start to identify, is this something that I actually love or I'm giving myself, or is this something that I'm willing to take from anything or anywhere because it is an idol in my life? How do we figure out what our motives are? Well, there's a great prayer in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, uh, 23 and 24 says this. says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Like, did you know that God knows you, like, deeply? Why? Because he created you, but then also he has a deep uh, understanding or like a deep desire for you to know him as well. He, he, like, he knows where you have idols in your life. He knows the things that you struggle with. He knows like every hair on your head or lack thereof. Like, you know what I mean? Like he knows everything about you. Very much so even to where he knows that you might need to hear these things this morning. He's maybe put you in this chair specifically for a purpose. We have this God that that knows us. He has infinite knowledge and wisdom. And what we get to do is we get to say, God, search me. If there's anything in here that offends you, that's going to be lusts. That's going to be idols. God, would you identify those? Would you help me in my reflection to be able to clearly map out what it is that's in the way? Uh, Can I confess to you guys this morning? Is that okay? I know you don't, you don't know me. Uh, I'm, I'm new. I'm the new guy around. But um, I'm going to confess to you something that I have struggled with in my past. Here we go. I'm nervous. I love comic books. Is that geeky or what? Is that like, like I, I, I have wrestled with comic books. I, I, I'll explain. Uh, really, the, the big thing here is, is we can make anything good sinful in our life. There's something about comic books. I grew up with comic books. Like You guys know who Captain America is? You guys know who Spider-Man is? Black Panther? Iron Man? You, know, you guys know these characters because it's like popular media now, and these movies are like fun, and they're cool. Like it's, like it's actually really cool. Well, all of those characters first appeared in a comic book. Uh, uh, some of these characters first appeared in a comic book. Like That's how I feel like right now, like, but I'm letting you in. I'm letting you in. <laughs> and and I, there's something cool. Like, to me, like, I, it's like whenever you have a comic book that has a, like a first appearance of a, co- like a popular character, like, that's like history. Because it's like the, it's, you know, it's, it's pop culture characters that everyone knows. They first appeared the first time somebody laid eyes on those is when they first appeared in those comic books. For me, I love comic books. It's, it's, a, it's a, just a hobby of mine. I would say I like to, to clearly use language. I like comic books. And that like can turn into lust whenever I am trying to buy comic books and I'm trying to hide that purchase from my wife. 
You understand what I'm saying? Whenever we have lusts in our life, whenever we have things that maybe are good things that have, are now controlling us, we're going to want to try to hide those things. We're going to want to try to, like, to, like, if somebody asks us about those things, we're going to, like, probably get defensive about those things. I'll be honest with you. When it comes down to idols, if there are things that make us grumpy when somebody asks questions about them, chances are it might be some idols in our life. So when it comes to, 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 to comic books, uh, um, that's something that I can, I can struggle with. What, what is it some, what's something that, that maybe is innocent to you that you have maybe seen in your life that is a, a potential struggle? Next thing, right? The first thing was reflect on motives. The next thing to really be able to identify lust in our life is to share your intentions. Okay, wait a second. Like, so reflect on motives was good because I could do that by myself. Uh, now you're saying to share your intentions. That means you invite someone else to the conversation. That's a little scary. Uh, well, in 1 John 1, uh, 6 and 7 says this, so we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. We are not practicing the truth, but if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. When it comes down to this, being able to share your intentions, we have the opportunity for people in our lives to come alongside us, trusted individuals that we can have these conversations with. Because guess what? We might have a blind spot in our life. Would you agree? Has there ever been anything that you've like, you know, like you've maybe struggled with that you actually like just kind of like tuck back here and maybe it was like, it was like a blind spot in your life and then somebody kind of told you about it and you're like, oh, yeah, that is not the right move. <laughs> well, when we are following Jesus, whenever we like are in a community, whenever you have something like Grace Church where we have life groups, we have growth groups, we have these different groups that you can jump into and literally say yes to being able to be accountable and then have others be accountable to you to point out your blind spots, we get the opportunity to be able to share our intentions. We can share our intentions with maybe why we're wanting to purchase this specific car. We can share our intentions of why we're trying to maybe date this specific person. We can share our intentions with maybe what it is that we're doing with our free time whenever no one is looking. Like, we have the opportunity to have trusted community. Again, those that are, 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 are spiritually mature as well, you have the opportunity to be able to be iron, sharpening iron is what scripture says. You do, we're never meant to live life alone. If COVID shared anything with us, it's that being isolated just really sucks. You have the opportunity to get to be together, to get to put brains together, and then to really identify what are these idols in your life. You can ask a trusted individual that maybe is like further along in their spiritual walk than you are, or maybe right along with you, you can ask them, hey, what do you see the things that I'm doing that might offend God? Is that a, a heavy question to ask? You have the opportunity to be able to ask it. That's going to continue to identify what are maybe lusts in your life and last, right? First thing was reflect on motives. Second thing was share your intentions. And the last thing that we're going to talk about this morning is ask for forgiveness when you fail is going to be how you identify lusts in your life. 
What does that mean? Like, what does that have to do with anything? Well, whenever we are not reflecting on motives, whenever we're not sharing our intentions, what our lusts are going to do is gonna, they're going to hurt people. I see the picture of Hosea and Gomer. Gomer, I, I don't think that she probably had a desire to hurt her husband. I don't think she probably had a desire to really like of what that would actually be uh, for her kids to not have their mother in their life. I don't know if she really just really, again, remember, whenever we're, we're clearly after our lusts, we don't have a real understanding of the bigger picture, the bigger perspective. Chances are when we fail, we're going to have hurt people. You can't have love without humility. You can't have love without humility. We have the opportunity to be fully known and still be fully loved. Why does that sound so attractive? It's because it's what Jesus does for us. Speaking of Jesus, this story of Hosea and Gomer, it's this Old Testament view, actually, of what Jesus has done for us. If you've ever read scripture, like, you know, uh, read the Bible, sometimes you probably try to find yourself in these stories in these different ways, like, right? And like, if you read that story and you're like, oh, I've been burned, like, I'm Hosea and I've been burned by a gomer in my life, like, yeah, like, I'm glad God, God is doing something about these things. Well, honestly, actually, whenever it comes down to the story, the picture of Hosea is Jesus and we are all Gomer. We've all ran away from God to go pursue our lusts and our desires. We've all traded the perfect worship that we were created to give to God. We traded it for graven idols. <laughs> we traded it for things that don't deserve our worship. We've traded it for things that just leave us lonely and depressed and lost. The picture of Hosea and Gomer is that Jesus came for us even when we didn't deserve it. And the big picture that you can understand this morning is this. You actually cannot love truly unless you let the love that was first given to you by God by the creator of the universe into your life. We can't have true love unless we let true love into our life. And that's Jesus. There's a story of a young boy that made a toy sailboat. He was a pretty crafty guy, made it nice in specs. He was, had uh, interest in nautical things. And so he went out to uh, a... a uh, a lake, a river, like to 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 test his uh, to test his, his sailboat, like a body of water that should be nice and calm. And then when the wind picks up, it can it can it can go. And so he went and he put this toy boat in the water, and the wind picked up, and it started going. And he's cheering, and he's running after it, and the, the wind really picked up. And this boat, it started going, and it was going, and it was going, and it was by by the time he just ran out of breath, his boat was way 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 down. And it was lost. It was gone. And he went home, and his parents were like, where's your boat? Did it not work? And he's like, no, it worked too well. A couple weeks later, the boy went into a, a, a secondhand store, and he saw his boat. 
right there on the shelf. That's my boat. That's my boat. And he goes and he grabs it, and, and the store clerk says, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, somebody actually brought that in last week. I, I, I paid for that. That's my boat. So if you want it, you're going to have to buy it. You're going to have to pay for it. And the boy reached in his pockets. He put his allowance on the table. He said, how much? It's pretty much all of his allowance, but he grabbed his boat and he put his change rack in his pocket and he starts walking out. He said, boat? You're my boat. You're twice my boat. Once because I made you. And twice because I paid for you. This is our faith. The creator of the universe who knows you intimately, who knows you deeply, created you with purpose. And with relationship with Jesus, when you welcome a relationship with Jesus, you're no longer spiritually disconnected. You get to welcome true love into your life, which is sacrifice. The picture of Jesus is what true love is. And when we welcome that, we then get to represent, we get to be a reservoir of that love to a desperate world that needs to see love in our life. What we get to do is we get to trade in those lusts, those idols, to represent true love. And so I don't know where you are in your walk with God, I don't know if you're just here, maybe just spiritually curious. I don't know if maybe you've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but there is something that we all need to do. It's, we all need to take inventory in our life for the things and the areas and the ways that we have called lust love in our life. And you actually get to take your spiritual next step this morning. Maybe that's joining into a life group to really be able to be fully known. Maybe that's Uh, joining a serving team to then be able to pour yourself out in areas, to be able to show everybody that walks through these doors that they're loved too. Maybe it's joining a specific ministry that's serving in our community to be able to pour yourself out. I don't know what that is, but I know that God has specifically called you with purpose and it can start this morning. You bow your heads and, and, and pray with me. God, we are our desperate to know you more. Um, God, we are so, so clearly loved by you, just how you have provided for us. Your past faithfulness is proof of your future faithfulness. God, we, and so we lean on that as we're, we're really sifting through this emotion of love that's attached everywhere. God, I pray that you would just continue to, uh, to give us a clear picture of what true love is, of how it's giving. God, identify in us, point out in us the things that offend you, which are the lusts and the idols in our life. And God, I pray that you would give us boldness to do something about it, that we don't have to continue to live in this this hole (laughs) of bondage to these idols that just want to take from us whenever we're just trying to take. God, I pray that we would be bold to welcome conversation, Maybe with, if it's going to the Connection Center and praying today, or if maybe it's, it's talking with one of these individuals that's, that's in the band on stage when they get off stage and just praying with them, or, or, or connecting with me, or uh, texting a number, whatever it is, God, I pray for the spiritual next step and the people that are sitting in the seats this morning. Boldness of action. Because God, you're not looking for 
our ability. You're looking for our availability. So I pray that we would be able to hand over our yes to you this morning, whether that's the first yes of welcoming a relationship with you or it's the billionth yes of, of, of being able to, to hand over our life. Thank you for who you are because it's who you are that actually defines us, not the, any of the, the difficulties or the baggage that we carry. We thank you for that. Continue to make our emotions pure. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.